Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Obsidian Achievement. This is your host, Michael Rustin. Thank you for joining me on this fine Tuesday. When did I get a... Does anybody remember when I got my first can of chew? Because it just ran out. So I think it's just over a week. I only, I only dip like once or twice a day. I'm still on that nicotine thing. You know what I'm saying? It's a good thing. It's a good thing in the morning. I'm not saying chewing tobacco is a great thing to do for your body, but I'm telling you, there's a very uh, there's a very clear acetylcholine rush that I get. Um, it's like very, very clear. Boy, I don't know. I woke up and my stomach was like unsettled today. I don't know what the deal with that is. Like, uh, like I could throw up, <laughs> but I, I really hope I don't. Like, you, you, you keep hearing me burp. I don't know what it is. I'm sure the chewing tobacco is not helping that situation in the least. <laughs> oh, yeah, you feel queasy throat dipping. <laughs> that's, that's, it's like somebody's, it's somebody's deranged, angry grandpa would tell him. That's, like, antagonistic. Ah, come here, boy. You not feeling too good? Ah, look real crappy. Give you a little lipper. <laughs> I, I love being a dad. I can't wait to be a grandpa someday. God willing. God willing. Because I'm going to be an absolute terror. I can't wait. I'm going to be... Ah, this is going to be awesome. I never really had a... Like my... My... Dad, or my mom's grandpa died. He was real cool. He died when I was, I don't know, I want to say 13. Because I'll, I'll remember Sarah. Him and Sarah were pretty close for how old she was. She must have been what? Okay, we're all three years. So Jeremiah was 10, she was 7. And I can remember holding Sarah in my arms upstairs in my room. Her just bawling like, I want grandpa to come back. Oh, heartbreaking heartbreaking um and then my dad's dad i you know he was a great guy just never really was close with him so i never had like that you know grandpappy's taking you fishing thing you know i never had that relationship with my 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 mom's dad had he not been so far probably would have been that grandpa you know for sure he was he was a really really good and my dad's dad was too but he was also far away you know um and he taught a lot of the other grandkids to fish that, like, lived around, you know, and hunt and all that. But, you know, I never really had that experience. Like, when people talk about, like, you know, when my grandparents died, obviously I was, I was sad. But people are like, oh, my goodness, I am so sorry. And I, like, I forget, like, some grandparents are, like, second parents to a lot of people. And I never, you know, I'm not complaining. My grand, you know, my grandpas were great. We just weren't close. You know what I mean? But I was obviously very sad when they both passed. I wish I had been closer with both of them. You know, but we lived so far away. My mom's dad, Jim, he was a really good guy. Very, uh, you know, he would always, when they came out to travel, when they traveled out to see us or we traveled out to see him, he was always taking us and doing stuff. You know what I mean? He would take me, he had this, uh, I think it was a Thunderbird, right? Tra or, I'm sorry, Trans Am. And uh, he had this Trans Am, this yellow Trans Am that he used to, it's a T-top. 
they used to take me out in that and whip around. I thought it was the coolest, and it was the coolest thing in the world. <clears throat> he was a really good guy, and uh, my mom loved him very, very much. He wasn't my mom's biological father. Um, I don't know the story. I think my my mom's biological father just dipped and like went to Texas or something like that. And I think he passed like within the last decade, if I'm not mistaken. I don't I don't know for sure. But uh Jim was really my mom's dad. And she loved him very much. And like I said, he was a really good guy. My dad's dad was a little bit more like a uh, little bit more rough, you know what I mean? Country boy from the middle of Pennsylvania, you know, Gerard PA hunting, fishing, old school, union factory guy, you know what I mean, um, but I just, I never got the chance to get close, like, I'm sure my dad, my mom's dad and I would have been, like, my mom's grand, yeah, my mom's dad and I would have been, like, good drinking buddies, and, you know, it would have been cool to have him still around, now that I live in Maine, he wouldn't have been too far from me, but, you know, I never got to get close with them, because my mom's dad died so young, and my dad's dad, well, he's far away. But I guess they're, you know, I was thinking about being a grandpa yesterday. That's how far into the future I think. You know, I'm always planning what's next, what's next, what's next. So we're pregnant. We got another baby on the way. We both have a, we have a pretty good in inclination that this is a boy. Like, I just know. You know what I mean? Like, people were saying you're going to be a girl with the first, you're going to be a girl dad with the first one. And I knew in my gut. I knew in my gut, I, you know, that I, it was going to be a girl. This time I know it's going to be a boy. Plus, Geneva's sick all the time. She's having weird cravings for jalapeno, pickled garlic, olives. You know what I mean? Like the quintessential boy symptoms of pregnancy. So, I think I'm going to have a boy next. And if I have a girl, awesome. And then we're going to have a, we're going to keep trying until we get a boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? We need somebody to carry on the name. You know, I'll have 15 kids if the 14th, if the 15th's a boy. Um, but as long as they're healthy, you know, and I truly mean that. As long as they're healthy, I, I feel bad, man, um, for these parents that have to deal with these, not deal with, like, you know what I mean, um, that are in a situation where their kids are severely autistic. It's... You know, you see these parents and you can, they, they might put on a smile, but you can see in their face how hard it is. And uh, I, I just, I don't know, that, that seems very, very difficult. Very, very, very difficult. It's hard enough raising a kid. I couldn't imagine a child with a severe uh, disability, you know. So I know some of you, your siblings, some of you, maybe even your kids, uh, I all the respect to you because I can't imagine how difficult that would be. But I was thinking about being a grandpa, and I often get this overwhelming, probably more than a normal person. I don't know. I don't know what anybody else's lived experience is. I just don't hear anybody else talking about it, which is why I think it's not necessarily unique to me, but... If you are very, very close to me, and I mean very, very close, and this is something I've, probably the first time I've ever shared something like this publicly, 
anybody who was very, very close to me, um, I could think of, um, you know, we've kind of grown apart, but my dear friend Rachel from college, um, her and I were very, very close. My wife, um, I was probably closer to Rachel, uh, Raquelita, as I called her, which just means like little Rachel in Spanish, uh, in college more so than I was anybody else until I met my wife. She was a very, very close friend of mine. Uh, we were roommates. She taught me how to meditate. She tried to teach me yoga. She was always like, my, my friend Rachel was the, because in college I was pretty wild. And by pretty wild, I mean very wild. She was always the voice of reason for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I always had this overwhelming sense of, and so I got to be very thankful to Rachel for that. I had a really tough time in school. You know, I was very, I had no sense of purpose. I had no sense of direction. Rugby was a close second to Rachel uh, in terms of keeping my head screwed on straight. I don't know if it wasn't for Rachel and it wasn't for rugby. I don't know what would have happened. I was not in a good spot. I was not in a good spot. I was in counseling and I was on psychotropic medications and just all, just was not in a good spot in college. And uh, I always had an overwhelming sense that uh, I was going to die relatively young, you know, like 40s. <clears throat> and when I look at the direction that the world is heading and my views and my convictions, I'm like, that's, that's, a, that's a very real possibility. You wait till that first three-letter government agency shows up at my door. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to perish, but I'm going to take 15 of them with me, you know, but, uh, I've always had that overwhelming sense that, uh, you know, and I was thinking about this yesterday. I was walking, <clears throat> I think I told you guys I was walking Ada in her stroller up and down my road, you know, and it set me behind for the day. And I remember rushing to the gym and being like, oh, I'm going to be late. I'm only going to have the half hour to work. And I'm like, so what? I got to spend all this awesome time with my daughter in the morning and at least I'm not, you know, I'm just going to the gym and back and I have to go to some nine to five like a douche. No, I'm just kidding. You're not. I'm, I apologize. If you're working a nine to five, good for you. You're getting the job done. I just, when I, <clears throat> when I say like a douche, I mean like I feel a moral responsibility to not live that type of life. Everybody's different. But um, I feel bad. You're not a D word. You're not a D bag if you work at nine to five. That's not, I think you should break out of that. But uh, it would be like that would be an easy cop out for me. You know what I mean? And uh, I was thinking about, you know, I'm wheeling her up and down the road. And I was thinking like, please, God, give me as much time. Boy. <laughs> yeah, having a kid, I, I know I keep talking about this and saying it, man, but having a kid completely changes the way that you think. And I'm like, I'm looking at this little body with her little chubby legs, just kind of bouncing, dangling out of the stroller. You know, she's so big now. And I'm thinking like, please, God, give me as much time. You know, I would want to see her grow up and have her own kids someday. I'm already thinking about being a grandpa. But again, there's that haunting sense of my own mortality that lingers, you know, and it's just like a knowing, and I hope it's something that I can break, you know, and uh, 
for a long time, it was because I didn't want to be, you know, I'm being very transparent. For a long time, when I was really struggling in college, and then again, you know, I, it was funny because I got out of school, basically got kicked out, <clears throat> and I got out of school, and uh, I, I, you know, I had what would some would call a psychotic break, and, uh, you know, I got out of school, and I can remember being so heartbroken when they told me I needed to take a semester off, and I said, well, I'm just not coming back, you know what I mean? And the way that the college handled that whole situation, I've got a list, you know what I mean? And I, 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 there's the hospital that cooped me up, there's the college, there's uh, just other people that without reason have come after me, and I've got a list, and I'm checking it twice. And I, another thing I'm struggling with recently is when I finally do come out on top, which I will in a lot of these situations that I'm dealing with, because truth always wins. It doesn't matter. Truth truth always wins. Um, and the truth will come out. Um, I've been struggling with what is my response? Am I the hand of judgment? You know, not physically, not hurting people. Am I the hand of judgment you know, uh, in terms of reconciliation, you know, am I supposed to, am I supposed to re retaliate legally, this thing and all that, you know, and I'm talking about the hospital, school, other people that have attacked me, or do I let it all go? You know, and that's something I just don't, I don't know the answer to that. You know, sometimes my wife will look at me and she'll be like, you know, you need to let it go, you need to forgive me. And I'm like, I honestly don't know yet in my spirit how I'm supposed to handle what's happened to me over the past, you know, more than a decade, let's say 12 to 13 years. But anyways, um, you know, I got out of school and I didn't solve any of the problems that I was dealing with. And what it was, was a lack of God. That's all it was. And I got right into the life insurance field and had a bunch of success really quickly. So here I go, I get kicked. It's so funny how, you know, I'm not being braggadocious, but it's crazy in my life scenarios I've been faced with and I've been able to bounce back and make it 10 times better. Like I get out of school, I get kicked out of school basically, I'm looking down the barrel of no degree, no future, no direction, not knowing what to do, and then my first year I make like $150,000 and then history you know, it's history ever after. I don't think I made less than a quarter mil up to $850,000 my biggest year, you know, 10 years in a row in life insurance and accolades and awards and promotions and all this. So I get kicked out of school for various issues that I was dealing with mentally and emotionally. And I never stopped to go back and looked at why that happened. So I get into life insurance and I have a bunch of success and then there's a big blowout there years later. Mental and emotional issues. And I guess the lesson here, I don't know. Lesson here is two things. Um, I don't know if there is a lesson, but my experience here is two things is that, you know, I, I still have that haunting sense of mortality 
and I don't know what what to attribute it to because I'm in a much better place now, but I still get that sense. Um, but also, it's really easy, and I think we see this a lot, people that cover up deeply rooted issues and problems that they have with worldly success. You know what I mean? And you see it time and time again where highly, highly successful people have these either complete total meltdowns where they nuke their lives, where they have these crazy coming to Jesus moments. And as much as I hate to say, because it's been, you know, all these moon rock girls and all these yogi guys who are, you know, the inner work, inner work. It's true. You cannot replace inner work <clears throat> by renovating the outside. You know, so like an example would be if my foundation is rotting in my house and I've got cracks in my foundation and leaks and waters in my basement, I could build a whole new house on top and it can look absolutely beautiful. To the passerby, you could look at that house and, oh my goodness, look at how beautiful that house is. And then you get inside and you realize that the basement wouldn't even come close to passing inspection. The foundation wouldn't even come close. In fact, it's not, a, it's not only bad, it's dangerous. Man, this is, this is, somebody needed to hear this this morning. You can't, <clears throat> you can't, you can't just pretty up and doll up the outside <clears throat> and leave the inside to rot because it's going to come out. It's going to come out. It's going to, it's going to show itself at some point. It's going to show itself. You know, they say, I hate it's very crude you know it's a very crude saying but you can't put glitter on a piece of poop you know and, <laughs> and and try to doll it up it's still a piece of poop right which is really gross and I hate poop jokes and fart jokes and all that so I think they're crude and childish but that's a good saying you know I could go ahead and <laughs> if my Maserati's engine blew tomorrow I could go get new rims. I could repaint it. I could get all the body work. You know, I've got a, the mirror. Somebody hit my mirror. It's all scuffed up. I could get that fixed. But it ain't going to sell for much. And it's not going to drive anywhere. Right? If the tranny's blue or the engine blue. You can't neglect the work that needs to be done internally by just, you know, a lot of people will... I see this in a lot of top performing um, young men and women in a, in a variety of fields. Hold on one second. I'm going to blow my nose. I got all emotional thinking about my daughter earlier. I don't have any. I do have a napkin. You guys are going to have to listen to me blow my nose. So. I always yell after I, after I blow my nose. It scares my wife. And I did it the other day and I scared my daughter and I felt terrible. <laughs> uh, poor Ada, I had her on my stomach. She, I was holding her arms and she was standing on my stomach yesterday and I, she did something. 
and it made me laugh. And I had, it was like a real deep belly laugh. And I think the combination of my deep belly laugh, like the sound, and then my stomach going up and down, scared the hell out of her. Poor thing. Her little bottom lip <laughs> quivered. You know, little babies. The little bottom lip goes up, and they their eyes, their eyebrows go up. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm so sorry. <laughs> but you can lift all the weights in the world. You can make all the money in the world. You can have all the outward success and accolades and recognition and all these other things. <clears throat> but if you're not if you're neglecting the work that needs done internally, and that work again is not yoga, it's not meditation. I'm not saying that those things are not helpful. But I know a lot a lot of yogis. I know a lot of people that do meditation. Some are very close friends of mine. And all that stuff is great, but it's a band-aid. You know what I mean? And, and, and the real, you know, you're putting band-aids on something that really needs stitches and staples and to actually heal. And that's Jesus. You know what I mean? I know that's going to sound so corny to some of you because the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And I've told you guys this in prior episodes before. If you think Jesus and the cross and Christianity, you know, let's just put Christianity as a whole aside and just look at the radical truth of Jesus. If that sounds foolish to you, that means your spirit, your spiritual heart per se is dead. So it doesn't make sense to you. It's almost like if I were to go back a couple thousand years and say, you know, even try to explain the concept of a cell phone, there would be no, there's literally no frame of reference. It makes no sense. They would probably execute me upside down. You know what I'm saying? There's a witch. <laughs> He's a, what do you call the male witches? A war, warlock. He's a warlock. Burn up. You know what I mean? I'd get burnt, you know? Or they put a wheel around me and leave me out in the town circle to die of exposure. You know? <clears throat> it's foolishness. I know I, I watch these young men that remind me so much of myself. Especially the young men that remind me so much of myself. That make all this money. And there's an emptiness and a hollowness about them. And they're not bad. It's not, they're not bad people. It's not, there's nothing. It's just there's an emptiness and a hollowness because they're trying to fill the void. And the, the only thing that can fill the void is God. <clears throat> somebody has, uh, I'm behind a truck and somebody has taken the time to scratch into this truck with some kind of extremely sharp object in through the paint a penis <laughs> I've been following this penis now for five miles it's just like I'm trying to have a serious conversation with you and there's an etch-a-sketch penis in front of my face I mean it's so huge on the back of this truck it's comical it's it's like the size it's like a mural <laughs> And it, you know how funny that is to me? It's like, uh, here I am, just the juxtaposition of this conversation and this giant etch-a-sketch penis in front of me at, at the back of this truck. 
just such a uh, it, really it's a commentary on life you know what I mean it's it's really it's like a piece of art I'm, I'm, I'm a it's a lived piece of art that I just experienced right now I don't know what the message is but it's funny but yeah so I've been thinking about my own mortality and I've been thinking more and more about legacy you know when I die what's my legacy going to be and I've just realized that I am just going to continue to try to help as many people as I can to give sacrificially in terms of time, energy, and money. It's, you know, and yesterday I had a point and I'm not going to share details at all. Um, I'm just having some disagreements with a certain federal agency and just... You know, it was like all of a sudden, my, my one of my very good friend's dogs, all of a sudden we need 14 grand for a vet bill. By the way, if you can, Ranger, the sweetest, sweetest boy, German Shepherd. My friend Emily texted me yesterday and said, hey, I don't know what to do. Ranger, last night to this morning, he won't eat. He won't get up off the floor. He's drinking a bunch of water and he looks bloated. I said, take him to the vet now. And anybody that knows me is if I'm that brief and serious about something, because normally I'm like, oh, he'll be fine. Nah, nah, nah. You know what I mean? If any, <laughs> if you know me well enough and I'm that brief and succinct and serious about something, do it. And she took him to the vet and his stomach almost flipped. You know, we caught it in time to where none of his stomach died. I guess parts of their stomach can die from lack of blood flow. Uh, in those situations and she took him to the vet and they said yeah he's got a major blockage his stomach is about to flip it's full of gas and other things and food so you know I get that and then I get this letter in the mail and then I get this phone call and it was like all at once like I got done with one of my meetings and all at once all of this happened and I'm just sitting there in my den just like staring at the wall and I'm like Life and a, and a preacher on on just on the radio, like 105.9 up here in Maine, was saying the other day, he was talking more about marriage, but he echoed the same sentiment that I've given to many of you, that there is no happily ever after in life. There, We have to stop chasing happily ever after. And my prayers have recently changed from God please solve these situations I still ask that I still want God's hand in my life solving things and fixing things supernaturally for me just bottom, bottomed out real hard there that was nice wonder if you could hear that um, <clears throat> to give me the strength and wisdom to deal with these situations you know my prayers have changed and uh, because, and strength and wisdom to deal with all the other situations that are going to arise in my life. Because they will. There's no happily ever after where you get to a point where your marriage is perfect, your kids are perfect, your life is perfect, and your bills are all paid, and there's no debt. If you get to a spot like that, somebody's going to die. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
That's life. I know that sounds really, really um, pessimistic, and it's not. It's realistic. Pessimism is nothing is ever going to get better. That's pessimism. Realism, here's a great distinction. You guys ready for this? Pessimism is none of this is ever going to get better. Realism is these things will pass and get better, but there will be new things to take their place. There you go. Did y'all hear what I just told you? Pessimism is these things are never going to get better. Realism is these things too shall pass, but other things will take their place. That's life. Life is difficult. Life is hard. Life is a series of obstacles and adversities and trials and tribulations and sicknesses and deaths and bankruptcies and failed business ventures and failed relationships and backstabbings and betrayals. And that's none of what I'm telling you is not pessimistic. This is just a reality of life. This is why the, it says the whole creation groans in anticipation. This is Romans 8. Basically for Jesus to come back. And to have the world in our lives to be completely regenerate. There's no... The only happy ending is salvation. And really the only happy ending is going to come in the death of our mortal bodies as we know them now as we transcend to our perfect bodies, whatever those are going to look like or be like when Jesus comes back. You know, that's... And in that, we have hope. That's what we hope for. We don't hope for things to just be perfect in this life. Because it doesn't matter how picture-perfect somebody's life looks like on the outside. There's always... Again, you could have everything in line. Your kids could be doing great. Your health could be great, your marriage could be great, and then a parent's going to die. It's just, that's life. So this whole fairy tale thing, there is no fairy tale. You know what I mean? There's there's no fairy tale ending. The only fairy tale ending is really the most magnificent ending there could possibly be. And that's the transcending of our mortal bodies to our perfect bodies that God's going to give us when Jesus comes back. And that's the hope. If you don't have that hope, what do you hope for? What's your hope in? It's in vain things. Because life's difficult. Life's hard. There's a massive amount of suffering and it never ends. So we don't pray for no suffering. We pray that we have the strength and wisdom to handle the suffering that we are dealt. Some people suffer immensely, more than others. Some people have relatively easy lives, but nobody has an easy life. Nobody. So, you never know what somebody's going through. You don't, you never know what somebody's afflicted by. I'm sure many people at surface value would look at me in my life and say, man, you know, I've had people say it like, you look like you live such a great life. And I'm like, I do. I have an amazing, amazing 
amazing, amazing life. But it's like it's like a, a scales or balances. I feel like the more amazing, you know, if we're looking at a balance, right? You know, those those scales with the two, like the justice lady holds up. You know, I feel like life teeters back and forth, and that if things are really good on one side of the scale, there are either equal or maybe slightly lesser, sometimes sometimes more. <clears throat> challenges and obstacles on the other end of the scale because life is all about balance. It's give and take. It's yin and yang. For every reaction, there's an equal and opposite reaction. It's a physical law. And who made the laws? God did. It's like God is both love and peace and truth and light, but he's also justice, wrath, and anger. You can't have peace, truth, love, and light without justice, wrath, and, you know, violent judgment. It's so funny how atheists will look at what the God of the, in the Old Testament did. He wiped out the earth with a flood. And yes, he killed terrible people because they were doing terrible things. To me, that is a just and loving God. I would not be able to respect a God. Which is the God that many of you and many others in this country and in this world have made up in their heads and hearts. A God that's all love. Agape. It's just Jesus wants you to live the best life. Jesus wants you to have an S-class Benz. And your bills paid. And you're... No. Where? What? Evidence. Yes, I have plans to prosper you. Yes, if I care, if God cares about the, the birds of the field, how much more does he care about you? Yes, God loves us. Yes, God blesses us. Yes, God cares about us. Yes, sometimes God does give us material abundance. Yes, yes, yes. But <clears throat> what evidence can you show me in the Bible that God just wants you, wants you to have an easy, prosperous life? Can you pick one person that you saw? One person. Go ahead. Pick one Bible character. Look at everything David went through. Look at everything Solomon went through. By the end of his life, I mean, Solomon brought that all upon himself. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. That was for sure written by Solomon. And here's the richest man that's ever lived and had concubines from every corner of the earth and precious stones and spices and I don't, I don't know why they were so into spices back in the day that was like a thing it's so funny to me when I read they had fine spices <laughs> I'm like dude my, my my cabinet in my house must have been like worth a billion dollars back then because these people love their spices <laughs> yeah. but anyways you know look at Job look at the apostles for goodness sake that were crucified upside down skinned alive boiled and sawn in half. <laughs> let, let me just rephrase that for you if you think you're supposed to have an easy life. Those closest to Jesus and those that probably lived the most impactful lives for Jesus were crucified upside down, boiled alive, skinned alive, and sawn in half ran through with spears beheaded 
imprisoned and flogged. So it's so funny when I hear these prosperity gospel preachers saying that God wants you to have a good, easy life. I don't see biblical evidence. Now, again, that does not mean that some people can't have good, easy lives, relatively. But that's not like a promise for us. So instead of praying for to never struggle, you should instead pray for the strength to persevere. And persevere in a godly way. Today was, I feel like, one of the better episodes that I think I've ever done. Just sitting here thinking before I go into the gym. I feel like a very profound deepness in my soul. And it's going to be hard for me to get in here, get in the zone. I'm doing arms with this guy that's been begging me to work out with him, this older guy in here for for two months now. So... All right. I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you have a great, great Tuesday. I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.